Hey guys. <laughs> we're back with another Ronnie recap. And today's a true recap because like we're recapping. We're recapping in real life. Like yeah. IRL recap. Yeah, we're not just recapping like random pop culture moments that happen, but we're like a, a true recap, yeah. if you will. You just... We have things to say. We have a lot of things to recap. There was like a lot that went on. A lot that and went down. not only did a lot go on, but we had a lot of thoughts. We had a lot yeah, of thoughts. I always am having thoughts. What, what is it that Kylie Jenner said that we always say? Me and all my friends are just realizing stuff. She wasn't wrong for that. She, I just think Kylie was like ahead of her time with that. Because me and all my friends are in fact realizing stuff. Do you stuff. think that she didn't go to the Wonka premiere because she was like, Wonka is a little embarrassing. Let me just sneak Wait, in Wait, I the thought back. she went with her mom. Yeah, but they snuck in the back. They like skipped the carpet. And um, I'm like, do, do you think she was embarrassed I to get think, that Getty? No, I think, well, who knows? But I think if I was Kylie Jenner, I would also do that because I don't know if I would want to make my partner's big movie premiere about, about me and our yeah, relationship. That's true. And that's what all the articles would have been about. So she gets to go and support him, but the headlines are not like, Kylie Jenner and Timothy debut couple yeah, relationship yeah, yeah, on yeah, red yeah. carpet. Like, blah, blah, I blah. I guess that makes sense. That actually makes me like her, if that's the truth. Yeah. I mean, and maybe I'm just like coming up no, with things. No, that's definitely probably so it. I can like, like her more because I do love her. Because but... I, I don't think that Travis and Taylor will red carpet debut. Maybe at the Met Gala because it doesn't matter. Like I don't think they'll red carpet debut at the Grammys because like that needs to be like her moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a bit different with them though because now we've gotten so many pictures of them together. You're right. That You're right. like we know 100% they're together. Like there's no question I think in anybody's mind still. I mean maybe a few people but like, they're for sure together, and we've seen a lot of pictures. It's obviously not red carpets or anything, but we have seen a, a real significant amount of photos in such a short amount of time in comparison to Kylie and Timmy, where it's like, there's been these rumors, they're together, and, like, we only got those pictures of them at the U.S. Open. Yeah. Like, we haven't seen anything else. So I think if Taylor, like, if she went to the Grammys with Travis, it wouldn't really be... Um, I think it would break the internet. I think people would be excited, but I don't think it would, like, take away from her winning awards that night, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it would be double headlines. Yeah. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey make red carpet debut as singer wins 14 Grammys well, in a night. that's the other T. Like, the other thing for me is I don't think she's going to win anything. Oh, really? I just think it was a really, really strong year for music. Wait, the other thing is I think is going to win everything. I don't see... There's a lot of categories I could see SZA winning in. There's a lot where I don't think she will win. Um, but again, like, it's been a really big year for music. A huge year that... Also, I don't know I if think... Midnight's is, like, taking the cake. I loved Midnight's. I, love I don't Midnight's, think it's her best album. I don't think album. it's her best album. I don't think it's the best album. I definitely don't think I it's the best album. Think... And this isn't a reason to not give someone something if they deserve it. She has gotten her fucking flowers this year. And yeah. the Grammys are political, as are all award shows, and not again people. Not to say she doesn't deserve it. I'm just thinking critically here. A lot of people would say, like, it's becoming too much. And I'm not saying that I agree with that. I'm just saying I think other people are going to get their flowers at well, the Grammys. Well, I think it's also hard, like, when you've rewarded Taylor Swift so consistently, for deservedly so... If then she produces something that doesn't match the caliber of her previous work that's gotten her awards, it feels like she doesn't deserve it. Like, 
even if in comparison to the other artists, you know what I mean? Wait, I'm looking it up. Who's out? Who? I want to know. Let me do it on my phone. I want to know. I'm looking at it on here so that we can see it in big. Okay. Because let's go through. Why not? Okay. Record of the year. So if you guys don't know, record of the year and song of the year are two different awards. Um, Record of the year is like more about the song in a general sense and the production. So the award is given to the performer and the engineers, uh, you know, the producers who worked on it. And song of the year is more about the lyrics and the songwriting. So it's given to typically the songwriters um, and also the, you know, who's singing. What do you think is going to win record of the year? I Say Flowers or Billie Eilish? I really, I could see it being Billie Eilish. I don't like Antihero. I think it's so fucking annoying. Yeah, I mean, my, like, personal vote is Boy Genius, not strong enough, but, like, I don't necessarily see them winning this. No, they're not going to win. Um, I've never heard that song. <laughs> you have, you have. Oh, really? What is yeah. it? It's, like... Not I don't... I can't. We have to cut this out if I'm singing, okay. but, like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's don't so sing, embarrassing. Don't sing. We'll listen to it later. I think it's Flowers or Billie Eilish. I really did not like Flowers, so, I'm, I mean... I'm just thinking about, like, the people. Yeah, I don't... Maybe bloodsucker, fame fucker. I don't really see being vampire. I mean, this is a this is a tough category. No, that's but the thing. Taylor Swift is not, but I think Taylor Swift's not winning that. That's yeah. what we're meant to talk about. Which ones we think she's gonna win? Album of the year. I it's, it's, it's gotta be it's Lana SZA. for me. It's Lana. It's for SZA me. It's SZA for me. I don't think Taylor Swift's winning that one either. Okay, song of the year. I think it's gonna be Flowers. I don't know why. It was the most streamed song this year. But see, the thing about Flowers that you're not under, or in this category is this is song of the year. So this is about the songwriting. Okay. Which I could see you making a case oh, wait, for I, Flowers. I could see Vampire winning. Yeah, I, I could see Flowers After... winning record of the year, but I really can't see Flowers winning, winning this song. category. Wait, I hope I hope Vampire wins because after Taylor Swift treated Olivia Rodrigo that way, I want her to win. And I'm not meant, I'm not pitting women against each other. I just feel bad for Olivia Rodrigo. I think people take big fat dumps on her all the time and it's so mean and she's just a girl. And she's literally just yeah. a girl. She's like a little girl and it's so fucking mean and people are so mean to her. And like for someone like Taylor Swift who is so into like female representation in the industry and standing up for other women. I don't think she was nice to her. I want her to win because I do believe that that was the song of the year. It's an amazing song. For me, this category, I think the front runner is Billie Eilish and Phineas. Like, with What Was I Made For, that to me... Was the song of the year. Was the song. But again, I don't see Taylor Swift winning in either... Oh my God, this is my Roman Empire, the best new artist category. So It's going to be... I've seen a lot of people online saying Ice Spice and... I think it's going to be Ice Spice, Jelly Roll, or Noah Khan. I think, to me, I think it has to be Noah Khan. Yeah, I think it has but to be Noah Khan, too. But I, I could know. see it going to Ice Spice, I love her. Yeah. Has she put out an album, Ice Spice? No. Because typically... Producer of the um, year... People don't, don't win Best New Artist with just, like, singles and features. People have, but it more often than not goes to people who are really... Um, Pop solo. You don't have launched their so career. So pop solo performance is vocals on a pop song. Sorry, that's Vampire. Or What Was I Made For? Yeah. It's not... Yeah. Best pop duo. It's gonna, I think that that one is the one that Taylor Swift has a shot with. Karma. Facts. Facts. Um, uh, candy I Necklace could, for me is like but so But I could also good. see Ghost in the Machine winning. Yeah. I mean, again, it was such a big year in music for me. Like... 
Boy Genius back together, put out an album. Like wait, so pop vocal album? Does that have to do with the actual vocals or just the album as a whole? Being a pop album. Um, because she could win that. So pop vocal album, you're being rewarded for the vocal performance on the album, and seventy five percent of the vocal performance has to be new, like not Kelly Clarkson. It's Kelly Clarkson. Show some fucking respect. I I think. This is what I see Olivia Rodrigo winning, to be honest, because I think she's really kind of come into her own sound. And especially when you look at the other people nominated in that category, I think she's doing something different. Yeah. Um, my vote is that category. Best, um, what is it? Best pop dance recording. Give it to Troy, man. Oh, Give my God. Give it to Troy. Or put on, put on. Or put yeah. on, put on. Okay. I don't care about rock. I don't care about metal. Those are all the major. We've gone yar, through yar, the major. Yar. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I can see what you're saying, but you don't think Taylor Swift is going to win anything. Uh, yeah. It's I'm a very not, competitive year. It's a very competitive year. And I think, again, had she been competing with folklore against the other things that have been nominated this year, I could totally see her winning. Wait, that was her, her year winning. that she swept, no? She's, was- she's, she's swept a couple times. Um... But I could what was see the her time that she didn't sweep, and then she was like, "We didn't win Grammys. We have to do better." And I was kind of icked by that because I'm like, "Do you really think this has anything to do with you?" Yeah, like, no, like, that I, was it's red. all political and fake. Like, I'm sorry, so, like, and not even that, but um, I think. Why do you care so much? Uh, like, so she felt that way after Red, and then that was what kind of pushed her to really, you know, do the give it her absolute all for 1989. And then she was rewarded accordingly for 1989. But I think the issue for me with that statement was kind of like... It takes a dump on other people that did win. Yeah, and the implication is that um, if you didn't win, then you must have not done your best. And then that basically is saying that like your best is inherently better than everybody else's best, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, being like, oh, I didn't win, therefore I, it wasn't my best work. You could have... It, Red could have been her best work, and it just means that someone that year put out something better. Or better to the judges. I just, yeah, I just seem a little Academy. ungrateful. Like, I, I think that... I think I straddle two sides with this, because it's important for women to be able to be like, I want to be competitive in this, I want to win, I want to be successful, and I believe in all of that. But I believe in doing so, no matter if you're a woman, man, no matter who you are, non-binary, I don't care. Also giving other people their praise and letting them have their moment. Yeah, and I think the thing about um, award shows is it's it's different when you're releasing music because I feel like that's inherently less competitive. Like, obviously you are competing with the other people who have albums out or also releasing albums or singles or whatever it is for chart positions, but there hasn't been this like defined group that you're competing against. You're just competing against everyone, all music yeah. that's out. Um, but the Grammys are different because you've kind of been put in this smaller group that you are aware you are in direct competition with. Yeah. And so I feel like making a statement like that, it's different than just being like, my album didn't go number one and I wanted it to, so I'm going to work harder this time. I don't know. I I agree with you. I I didn't love her saying that, but I also understand it that like you know, it how else do you define success as a musician? It's really awards, monetary success, like how much money are you making and chart positions. Those are really the three ways they can define it. And if you really want to be successful, I can understand like 
deriving, you know, your own perception of your success from these award shows. So I get it, but I also... I just really didn't like that part in Miss Americana. I think it made her look... And I feel bad saying this because I know people like criticize her for this exact thing and it's just baseless and sexist, but I don't think this statement is baseless, and sex baseless or sexist. I watched that part and I was like, I don't think this is the way we behave. Like, I would not... If I had a kid that was a musician that behaved that way, I would be like, come on. Like, not that. Yeah. I would just be disappointed. It just didn't seem like her character. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's so hard because, again, like, you are being pitted against other people. So I don't blame her for, like, feeding into it almost. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I do think it's fine to say, like, I tried my best and somebody else was just better. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Also, I had such a hard time with that documentary, Miss Americana. I just did, don't like it. I don't know if I'm like alone in that, but the whole part where she's like, I can't believe I didn't make Tennessee a blue state. I'm like, yeah, I think, I think the issue for me with the documentary is just, I don't know the, the concept that the documentary was born basically because of this Buzzfeed article that said Taylor Swift is constantly playing the victim and her kind of response was making this documentary. And instead of, her argument being like, no, I'm not playing the victim. The argument of the documentary was like, no, I am the victim. I'm not just playing the victim. I am the victim. And while I do understand that being a woman... Or she in, has been a victim, yeah. but it doesn't mean you're the victim in every yeah. situation. And like, I do understand that being a woman in any industry is complicated and we all deal with misogyny and the patriarchy. But I do also think it is sometimes hard to hear from someone who is incredibly privileged in so many different ways that how hard things are on her and I'm not saying that they're not hard on her I don't think Taylor Swift's life is easy but it can sometimes be frustrating like if you're struggling to hear someone who their baseline is just so much higher than yours already they're they're the beauty standard yeah their starting point is like leaps and bounds ahead of your own that it's really hard to hear people like that talk about how hard their life is. And it doesn't mean that it's not hard, but just as a consumer and as a viewer, it's sometimes a bit frustrating because I'm like, I get that your life is hard, but like putting out this movie, explaining how hard your life is, is gonna make you millions of dollars. And like, I can't complain enough about how hard my life is and make money off of it. Also, it's like, if a black woman were to make a movie about how hard their life is, they would get so much fucking backlash. I don't think they would be met with the same reception 100% they wouldn't. They would get so much backlash. And it's really, again, like, none of that is necessarily Taylor Swift's fault, but it all does definitely contribute to, like, my, like, complex views on her as a person it like away from her as a musician it sort of reminds me of the fact that she like only calls i I think it reminds me of the fact that her she's the epitome of white feminism right like i wouldn't even call it white feminism i think her feminism is like taylor swift feminism like she really when it when someone's been mean to her or when it makes her money i i really though i can't think of a single instance where she's brought up feminism when it wasn't a situation where she felt like someone was directly being mean to her. And my issue with that is that misogyny exists and the patriarchy exists, but also people are just mean. And 
And a, a man being mean or doing something mean to you is not always um, an act of misogyny. Oh, this is the same thing that we were talking about recently. We were having a conversation. Fuck, I literally forget about what it was. We were having a conversation about something really, really similar. Oh, it's not, if a woman does something, that doesn't make it feminist. Like, a woman-owned business is not feminist. Unless exactly. there's, like, a feminist thing going on well, through and at the business that would then make it a feminist Exactly. Thing. And I think people, it's a problem with the media as well that, like, there's been so much content about feminism, whether it's books or podcasts or TV shows, movies, whatever it is, that I think people have a, not everybody, obviously, but there is a widespread misunderstanding about what feminism is and what feminism is fighting for. And it's about liberation from the patriarchy. That's what feminism... Equity of opportunity. Not even equity of opportunity. Like, that is, um, I guess, something that would be a result of finding Uh, liberation from from the the patriarchy. The main goal of feminism is for all people to be liberated from the patriarchy. Men and women. And so saying that someone was mean to you... And, you know, which is not nice. Like you should, I'm not saying you can't call out when someone's doing something unethical or unkind, but saying that it's an issue of feminism when it may or may not be. And I'm not even saying that in Taylor Swift, like I do think she's a victim of the patriarchy in the same way all women are victims of the patriarchy, but fighting for men to be nicer to Taylor Swift doesn't necessarily move the needle for anybody else. No. And that is... Also, what the power she holds, like, what she could do with just one Instagram post about, like, intersectional feminism or, like, intersectionality. Yeah. and I don't think that's her... I don't necessarily it's think her. it's her responsibility, but I don't think we should be um, letting Taylor Swift wave around the flag of, I'm this big feminist, when her behavior hasn't necessarily shown that. Yeah. It's shown that... She only understands feminism as it pertains to men being mean to her or other women being mean to her. But it also harkens back to um, when she dated Maddie Healy and people were shocked and we were like, we don't know her. Yeah. Like, we do not know this person, just like we don't know so many celebrities. So when you're shocked that they when they reveal themselves to you. Well, that was my biggest issue with the Miss Americana documentary, actually, is that Um, a lot of people use it as evidence to show that Taylor Swift cares a lot about social issues and I'm not confirming or denying that statement, but my point is that it's very clear from the documentary itself that she cared about this social issue, about this politician trying to, um, overturn the violence against women act because she could relate to it personally. Because one of the things included against the Violence Against Women Act is stalking. And that was her personal connection to it. So I don't necessarily know if it's evidence that she cares a lot about social issues. I do think it's evidence that she cared on a personal level about that specific social issue. Well, it, it, this is also leads to like when things are happening in the world and people feel injustice for the first time in their lives or they feel some sort of like hate or negativity for the first time in their lives all of a sudden they're like wait I can't imagine being all these other people who I've ignored yeah and it's it's I mean that's a really tough pill to swallow that I feel like I've had to you know take my own medicine a couple times in life where I'm like I get really emotional over things that are happening in the world and and on some selfish level I then start I don't know 
I get mad at myself almost that I'm like, how have I ignored so much? How is this the, the first time I'm caring about, about this, this issue? Yeah. Um, and I think again, with the Maddie Healy thing, it's like, just because Taylor Swift cared about one social issue in this documentary. And it was clear that on some level, her care was for personal reasons. She could have also cared because of the other woman this would impact. And I'm not saying she didn't or she did, but part of it was definitely her personal connection to it. And using that as evidence of, you know, a full nuanced understanding of her social and political values, I don't think is fair. I don't think it's fair to say Taylor Swift cared about this one political thing. Therefore, we know she's a liberal feminist woman fighting for equality and liberation and freedom for all peoples. I don't think that's a fair statement. And I'm not saying she's not. I'm just saying the evidence we have does not 110% lead to that conclusion. So then when people were mad or, or shocked or confused about her dating Maddie Healy, I was like, well you kind of based your perception of her based off of one singular thing. It's not like Taylor Swift had, Taylor Swift had demonstrated over and over and over again, this is how she feels about these issues, and then there was a switch in. up. Yeah, exactly. She wasn't out there being this activist in some way, in, in a really, you know, widespread way. She one time cared about one issue, and then a couple other times here and there has demonstrated care about certain issues... Um, but I don't think anyone would claim that she's an activist. And then to be confused or upset about her dating Maddie Healy because of his politics, I think just goes to show how people overestimate what they know about famous people based off of the little slices we get of them. You know, if, if each person is like a pizza pie, like we only have one or two slices of Taylor Swift you have no idea what's going on. No, 100%. On the rest of that pizza. You have no clue. 100%. And so it, to be upset with her behavior, I think, is a bit misguided because you have to remind yourself that you never knew her in the first place. Do you think she does a mail-in ballot? I, that's <laughs> so votes. funny. I wonder if she votes. I think you could look it up. Oh, really? I don't know, though, because my voting like record when I look it up is, is wrong. wrong. So is mine. Mine says a couple times that I voted in Ann Arbor when I didn't. I, like, did mail in to New Jersey. Mine says that I, like, have only voted in, like, the governor elections. That's not true, yeah. Which is just not true. So I, I, I don't, like, we could look it up and it probably wouldn't be right. Um, I don't know. I have, I have very complicated feelings. She either does mail in or she doesn't. That's my take. Yeah. I feel like she doesn't vote, though, for some I think reason. if she went to the polls, she would show us a picture of it. Or somebody would. Somebody would. And I I'm, I mean, Taylor Swift has no obligation to physically go to the to polls. The polls. No, I, I don't no, mean no. that at all. Um, I think that if she And goes, I understand why she wouldn't for No, yeah, she can't. Reasons. She can't. She's just too famous. But I, I think she either does mail-in or she doesn't vote because we would, we would know. Okay, we have two very holiday-centric sponsors of today's episode. And the first one we're going to talk about is Today Ticks. You guys know how I feel about Today Ticks. You can save up to 40% on theater tickets. And it's not just in New York, which I did not know until recently. You can also use this in London, in the West End, and around the country. Today Ticks is your ticket to entertainment with the best value on tickets to Broadway and beyond. Getting tickets is incredibly easy. They have an app, which is what I recommend, but they also have a website, todayticks.com. And you can scroll through their offerings. And I'm not kidding. These are some of the 
the absolute best deals that you can get for theater tickets. You guys know I talk about this all the time, but I actually grew up using Today Ticket Ticks to see so many shows. So many of my favorite theater experiences. Spring Awakening. Um, what else? Something Rotten. I got tickets on Today Ticks when I was in high school and college, and I cannot recommend enough. Even if you don't really feel like you're a theater person, I feel like there's something for you. They also give you access to exclusive pre-sales, lotteries, and specially priced rush tickets. If I was going to use Today Takes to see a show right now, I might see Hades Town. I might see Moulin Rouge, depending on what mood I am in. So you guys can go to todayticks.com slash miss, M-I-S-S, and use my promo code miss to get $20 off your first Today Takes purchase. And I'm not kidding. Some of the tickets on there are like 40, 50 bucks. That's essentially half off. That's promo code M-I-S-S at todayticks.com slash miss. Happy theater going. Love you. Do you think Kim K votes? I think Kim K does a mail-in. I think Kim K does a mail-in. I don't think Courtney does it. I don't think Courtney votes. I mean, that's... I mean, we could get into this and people are not going to like what I have to say, but Taylor Swift, person of the year. I think that's... that's... Oh, I talked about this, but I didn't give any opinion because I, I was just more so saying that, like, I saw all the discourse and found it really interesting just to, like, speak, yeah. get you up to speed on what I said last week and that I agree with the discourse... That being said, Time Magazine is a capitalist institution. Like, they don't care about, like, their actual person of the year, like, being somebody who actually, quote, unquote, deserves it for whatever reason. It's more so, like, what's going to get us the most clicks? What's, like, the right thing to do for us for this year? What's going to sell out the magazine off the shelves? The thing about that is I'm inclined to agree with you, but I also disagree because Time Person of the Year has always been political. And I think whether it's for good or bad, they've always chosen someone who, you know, has really been a political force that year or, or a social force that year. And I, I don't know. It's, I, I feel a lot of complicated feelings about it because it's like, no matter what side of any of the, you know, social issues you fall on right now, especially with what's going on in the Middle East and Sudan and Congo, no matter what side you're on, no matter, you know, what you believe in, I do think we can all agree that that all of those issues are more important than Taylor Swift. I mean, if you can't agree to that, I mean, so that's, I think, and again, to highlight Taylor Swift, when again, she's this person who kind of only speaks up when it's about her I think is incredibly ironic for, for time to make the person of the year, someone who doesn't really seem to consistently and always care about social issues while they are also deciding to not care about those same social issues. So yeah, is really a big spoonful of dramatic irony. Do you think that they thought, I mean, this is definitely what they thought they were definitely considering. They definitely had, conversations about making it other people or other groups of people and they definitely decided that it would be easier for them which is they nominate people throughout the year and um i was recently watching one of their editors talk about this i can't remember where but they nominate people throughout the year and this editor she was saying they don't finalize until like a week or two before so i think a lot of people i've seen discourse online of people saying well you know, like all the stuff happening the journalists in, in the global south, like that all started later in the year. And 
I don't think that matters. I, I mean, Time Magazine, by their own admission, does not finalize until a week or two before. So I think that, like, people making that argument, I disagree. And I, I think it's very hard because I don't think Kim Kardashian is some amazing person. I'm not saying we should put her on a pedestal and say this is the world's best role model. I don't mean to say that at all. But I do think it's interesting. And I also think in her... Um, situation with Taylor Swift, she was not in the right. I'm, I'm not saying that Kim Kardashian did a good thing and, and Taylor Swift was in the wrong. Absolutely not. I think what Kim Kardashian did was shady and snaky and mean-spirited. And shitty. And shitty. Um, but I do think it's so interesting that when so much is going on in the world, we are reading about the person of the year who's talking about their beef with another celebrity. It's like, I don't care what the billionaires are fighting about more than I care about people who are literally dying are literally dying. Yeah. And I think that's my issue. And then it, the, even at just the other level of irony to it is that Kim Kardashian in her own way is really trying to be a political Wait, activist. So the other thing that I was thinking was that like people were like so happy that Taylor Swift was doing that. And I was like, I mean, I don't know. Like I watched the Kardashians and I see Kim sitting at a table with a bunch of, men of color who have been wrongfully convicted of crimes or she's trying to get sentences lessened people off off death row and regardless if you think that's performative or not putting that on her platform and saying i'm gonna sit here and have a meal with these people does something so fucking incredible for that conversation for um reform in general and i just think it's so shitty how people don't want to acknowledge that because she made a mistake and bullied Taylor Swift. And I think that bullying Taylor Swift again is wrong. And Kim was wrong in that situation. But people like love, loved being like, Eli, what do you think about what Taylor said about Kim? And I'm like, I frankly don't care. Taylor Swift is going to be okay. She's okay. I don't care about the billionaire beef. Like I just, I can't bring myself to care about it when so many other things need more attention. Yeah. And I, I think that was really really frustrating for me, especially coming from Time Magazine, that, like, I don't think Kim Kardashian, again, is, like, the best person ever. I think she's made a lot of mistakes in her career, you know. Done shitty things. She's done shitty things. She's done unethical things. She's done ignorant things, bigoted things. Um, But I also think she is trying to do something with prison reform and with the prison industrial complex and, you know, the judicial system. And I... I think it's interesting that we're platforming someone as person of the year who is not really trying to do anything political when person of the year has always been political. And in that, on that platform, she is, um, shading someone who is trying to move the needle in a political sense. Yeah. So that's, it's just really frustrating for me. And it's, it's upsetting. I would love if Taylor Swift would speak up about a lot of things like, she has so much power, and I do think Taylor Swift, I'm not saying she's a force of evil in the world, absolutely not, but she could be such a force of good, and her choosing to not use her platform in that way has always been and will continue to be incredibly frustrating for me. Well, yeah, because it's one story. Like, one story could do so much. The same thing when she got people to register to vote. Yeah. Does she not sit? I wonder if she sits and realizes what she could do to change the world if that one story about register to vote did what it did. Like, because I would feel guilty. I would feel guilty. And I... I, 
it's not that she has a responsibility to do so because I don't really think that she does, but I kind of just think it's the right thing to do. I think it's the right thing to do. And I think when we're talking about something as political as person of the year, maybe we should have taken the opportunity to platform someone who is trying to use their audience for good. I think, you know, there were a lot of choices that would have been better. But not Barbie. Barbie was up for person of the year, like Barbie herself. I don't know. Barbie is Barbie is a more interesting choice for me, honestly. Really, Barbie the doll. Because Barbie is um, at well, the at same the film, time yeah. the film, but just Barbie as an entity. I'm not even really well, what, talking what about the film. What do you think the interview would have been if it was Barbie the person? It would have been an interview with Greta. Do you not think with Greta, with Margot, with Mattel? I think yeah. we've interviewed a bunch of people. But Barbie's a really interesting figure because Barbie has both been ahead of the times and, and behind, behind the, the times. times. So it's inherently political. And sometimes both. And and I think that's how social movements like work on some level. You know, yeah. like sometimes people are ahead of talking about things and and people don't take them seriously and then sometimes people are behind things and it's I it's I think Barbie would have been a, a more interesting and compelling choice to me personally. But I mean, we didn't get her. We didn't get her. We didn't get her. I think there's people who would have been much more interesting than Barbie, but I think if we're thinking about Barbie versus Taylor Swift, I, my choice would have been Barbie. Yeah. It would have been interesting. It would have been interesting. And, and I think a, a, a huge critique of the Barbie movie was like, you know, when America Ferreira does that whole monologue about what it's like to be a woman. And so many people were like, oh my God, this is so like millennial, whatever. And I think... That's such, like, a chronic online take, to be honest, that, like, so many people, like, aren't really exposed to feminism or feminist I was just about to say, I think that what those people mean to say, I think what those people are neglecting to consider is they're so incredibly privileged to have had the education that has led them to have those thoughts. Exactly. And, like, you are in such a plate. Like, you have no idea where everybody else is at. The fact that Especially older generations. I I was going to say, that can be absolutely groundbreaking did I think it was groundbreaking no because I have had those thoughts on my own before but that is because of my ability to be educated the fact that I have the privilege of time to read theory to understand it we're just younger and it's conversations that younger generations are having more frequently than older generations and and with more depth and more nuance and more complexity so I think it was not personally a groundbreaking monologue statement for me, but I think for many moms and grandmothers, yeah. it probably meant a lot. And so I think Barbie was inherently a political film and, and Barbie has always been a political figure that Barbara. Uh, Barbara, I think at least, you know, her being Babs being person of the year, Babby girl, Babs is, who are the other... Is like, at least in line with what time has has always done with person of the year, you know? Yeah. And I people's rebuttal to this are, is going to be, well, Taylor Swift, the reason she was the first person that wasn't political or in some way social activist related is because she's just so much better. And I'm like, well, the Beatles never got it. And I'm not trying to compare them, but the Beatles never got it. The Hollywood strikers were on the shortlist. Yeah. And I mean, again, like... And the Trump pers- prosecutors were on the short list. The WGA and SAG, like, I think reignited that kind of flame in, you know, 
the gen pop that like workers, we have bargaining power and we have voices and we should be able to use them. And I think that was a huge movement of the year. And it, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why that choice was made and I don't know how much I respect it. I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, take away from Taylor Swift's success, but like the success again is her winning awards, breaking records and making a shit ton of money. Yeah. She does not need success in a field that's not hers, meaning politics. That's not her avenue. That's not her lane. And I think inviting her into that lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. This harkens back to stay in your lane. Time Magazine inviting her into that lane when she's done zero of the work to get there. That's where my issue is. That's really where my issue is. That being said, we watched the Eras film at home. <laughs> we did again, and I, I love Taylor Swift as a performer. Well, I love her music, but Eras film slays. I think I think also it, as the year ends, I just always become a bit more reflective. Oh, one hundred percent. Also, there's a inherent nostalgia and sort of sadness for me in the holidays when I'm reflecting on like when you're reflecting on like so much time spent with family around loved ones. Exactly. And you reflect on how much people have lost and sort yeah. of like what has happened. And so like, I think that's why I'm having all these thoughts kind of like right now, but I do still love to watch her perform. I do still listen to her music. I do still like love her as a musician. Um, and stay I in did your lane. stay in your lane. And I did love the artist tour extended film version. Yeah. We even loved long life. In the cupcake dress. We loved Long Live in the cupcake dress. We were so happy that she didn't wear the noodle dress during the Fearless set. Oh, yeah. We're not Can you guys noodle. imagine if they filmed her in the noodle dress? No, and the that gold was the dress movie? is the perfect one that she yeah. did. She picked every outfit correctly to film in, except for the cupcake dress. For me, it's not the dress. It's not my favorite. It's not my least favorite. Have you oh, seen the not... Everything Bagel dress? Oh, I hate that one. Don't love hate that, that one. one. That Don't one's my that one. last least favorite yeah. and then cupcake above no so we got all like i would say we got all either like outfits i was fine with or my faves yeah so i'm like okay overall good pick. and seeing the tights up close in like hd i was seeing the tights capizio get your bag no it's so guys good. i grew up dancing so always known about capizio tights because they're the ballet tights and jazz tights whatever they're the dancers tights um and seeing all these people making tiktoks being like Oh, like going to the era store during their outfits and, you know, showing what they're bought, what they're buying and what they're going to wear. And they're like, and I got these tights from Capezio. Capezio. Capzio. I'm like, obsessed. Run them their track. No, run, run them, them their, their track. track. Also, I like that the dancers also are Louboutins. Yeah. No, can you imagine she's rocking Louboutins and she's like, y'all are in Steve Madden's. Can you imagine? The one thing we can say about her is she treats her people well. She treats her people very, very, very well. And that's something to acknowledge. Something to acknowledge because I do think on that level, um, she's like doing much better than a lot of other people in the industry. I mean, all the bonuses to the tour drivers. I mean, they have like three stages that they like travel around the country with because they have to set one up while one is currently being performed on and then the other one's transiting somewhere else like giving the truck drivers bonuses and all her employees treating them well like I do think she's um a good businesswoman in that sense and is taking care of her people which I do have a lot of respect for yeah because there's so many people like there's so many people I mean, who don't look at the Lizzo situation yeah I mean yeah exactly like creating an environment that's yeah creating an environment that and again harkening back to like the WGA and SAG strikes, like, 
none of her employees are ever going to be striking because she takes care of them and treats them fairly and pays them fairly. And, you know, that is important. Yeah. Okay, this is one of the best deals in Miss Congeniality history. So listen up. Today I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite partners, Book of the Month. Book of the Month is absolutely incredible and I just started and their mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors and you guys know how important that is. Not every author is going to have a huge social media presence, in fact most don't and they're really working to curate that and it's like all we can do is to support new emerging debut authors. By offering just a few new selections each, each month, Book of the Month will cut the clutter, save members time and make it easier to decide. It's also really fun. You get delivered a book every single month that you you chose out of their selections and you know it's going to be good because they have such high quality. It really helps readers find books they wouldn't have otherwise discovered on their own because the selections really focus on new and upcoming authors and it also helps readers venture beyond their regular genres and I found that over the pandemic when I started reading sort of like anything that would come my way, I really enjoyed reading books that I never would have selected otherwise and so that's why I cannot recommend book of the month enough. So you guys know I do have an incredible code for you guys. You can use the code sweater, sweater like F me sweater, and you can get started for $5 a month. So that's $5 and you get a book. I feel like that's kind of foolproof and I wouldn't, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. So again, it's code sweater for $5 to get started. And that's only a limited time offer, so make sure you sign up now. I'm going to be incredibly disappointed if I don't hear that all of you signed up and got yourself a new book this holiday season. All right. Love you. But we also, we also watched something else that we wanted to recap. And if you haven't seen it or you consider, are considering watching Three Identical Strangers, you're going to want to skip this part. Yeah, um, this is... Probably the next, like, 10-ish minutes. This is spoiler-full review. So we go ahead and watch this. And this if- is... um. For anyone who missed three identical strangers on Hulu, and on if Hulu. if you're gonna listen and you want the quick synopsis, basically what happens is this guy goes to college. His name is well, Bobby. Before we even get into that, headline is that these three triplets, identical triplets, um, were all put up for adoption and adopted into three different families. So they were all separated at birth, which you need and to know is not a best practice. Like not a good practice. Ninety nine 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 percent of twins and triplets. Siblings in general. They're not split up for adoption agencies. It's not the appropriate thing It's to not do. a common practice. It creates trauma and separation anxiety. So these uh, kids were separated. They were raised knowing they were adopted, but they were unaware of um, the, the fact the that they were triplets. Identical triplets. Two identical brothers each. And so they, they all kind also, of find each other. They were also, the families were also unaware. And basically what winds up happening is the families are kind of like, wait, what the fuck, once they all find each other and they're 19 years old, they say, wait, what the fuck, how did we not know that our sons had identical twin brothers? Like, how did we not know this? They all get together and they go to the adoption agency and the adoption agency basically just makes a bunch of excuses and is apologetic and they leave and one of the dads of one of the boys left his umbrella. So he goes back inside and they're acting so sus. They're popping a bottle of champagne, basically acting like they dodged a bullet. And he oversees and hears this and he's like, oh, something is shady. And it eventually comes to turn that this adoption agency and potentially a few others were getting paid off by this psychiatrist who was basically a mentee of Sigmund Freud. And that guy wanted to study like nature versus nurture. And he also wanted to study like mental health. So like if you have a mentally ill parent, 
um, but you're raised by people that aren't mentally ill, will you become mentally ill because it's in your DNA? And the best way to do that, right, is to study with twins whose DNA is identical and adopted twins because then they're in different families. So he bas- they, they basically, the adoption agency and the psychiatrist, like orchestrated this entire thing, stalked the families, and they knew the families because these families already had each adopted a daughter of the same age and she was 21. And so they basically had the control, like, and then they had... Everything was controlled. It was, you know, the the nature was the same because they're identical. Um, And, you know, they all had older siblings who were the exact same age, but the the variable in the experiment was the parents and the parenting style. And also the socioeconomic background of the family, et cetera, et cetera. And basically it comes to be that all the, the, the study is never published and reason is unknown and there's And it's likely, under lock and key. So there's likely four other sets of twins that have not found each twins or triplets that have not found each other that were a part of the study. And um, when the psychiatrist died, he gave it to Yale University under lock and key until 2066, which is essentially past the point where all of the twins that were being studied would be dead. And nobody knows why, but they cannot access this information that has 20 years of data and information and also likely the results of the study. So when uh, they finished filming, the um, you know crew involved with the film worked with um, two of the brothers to kind of find the results of the study. And eventually they get access to it. And they tell you um, that... You know, the study, first of all, most of it was redacted to protect the privacy of the other people who were included in the study. But they tell you that there were no real conclusions in the study. So it it begs the question, if this study doesn't really say much of anything, you know, there's no real groundbreaking information, why is it under lock and key at Yale University? I think, I think it's because there's some really funky finding as it relates to nature versus nurture that would kind of set the world a bit ablaze like people would be i i think that's the more fun thing my theory the more i think about it is that they do mention um at one point in the documentary that the funding from this study came from a couple private foundations and also from Washington. Washington. That's all they say. And I think um, this might be under lock and key because if people start digging into the Washington element of it all and that you know the government on some level was funding this study, I think it might um, unravel government funding of other, even potentially more highly unethical studies. Yeah, because that's my that theory. So so unethical is that when you separate twins or triplets, that especially identical ones, but of any kind, at and before like one year old, they're gonna have like extreme extreme separation anxiety, but no memory of it. So that's just like such intense trauma, and all of these kids had re- they were really they explained it as troubled, like always yeah. getting into stuff, and then mentally ill and the biggest thing with psychology is um like the ethics of psychology are are twofold that one you need consent and they didn't have consent of the children they couldn't have consent of the children by proxy they were showing up twice a year to each family and they were basically acting like they had told the parents when they adopted the kid your child if you adopt them is going to be a part of a completely normal study about the behavioral effects of adopt adoption yeah and so the parents 
weren't really able to give consent because it wasn't informed consent. They didn't know what they were signing up for. They thought there was just a regular study going on. And they had on. no choice also. Yeah. So I, that's thing number one is there's really no informed consent at any turn in this study. And the other thing is that um, psychologists have an ethical duty to not cause psychological harm, which the the... the format of this adoption process was inherently harmful and also finding out you know that you're kind of a a lab rat is a is harmful as well and so a lot of psychological harm caused by this study and the lack of of informed consent ends up taking their own life which also like you have to wonder if they had not been separated what their fates would be exactly so i think it's a it's twofold that there's obvious psychological harm that's been caused and there is, you know, a complete lack of informed consent across the board. So a study like this could never be reproduced. And my going theory is that the United States government obviously knew this was unethical. Even back then, I think they had to have known that this was unethical. And I think if we are able to kind of trace the money back from this study to Washington, I think, you know, that's a big problem for the American government if they... Phone down. Bye-bye to my cell phone. If they have partaken, um, you know, well, taken a financial stake like in a bunch so of other interesting because the vast, vast majority of politicians that would have been a part of deciding this funding and, like, keeping this a secret aren't alive. Or slash, like, who knows what other people know about this, too, that are alive that came after. Yeah. Like, who knows what information at all in Washington is behind yeah. lock and key and who knows what. Like, exactly. I think it would just cause a lot. But then it, it begs the question, why 2066? Are they waiting for everybody that was involved at all to be wiped out so it's nobody's problem? Know. It's not their problem? I really, I, I really wonder. And I think the other thing, too, is, like, there's so many things in psychology that we'll just never know. We can theorize, but we'll never have conclusions. And that's because you would have to conduct the most unethical of unethical studies in order to research it. So there's so many things that we won't ever really know too much about for that exact reason. And it makes me wonder, did the United States government at any point said, mm, we actually don't care about ethics. We actually don't give a single fuck. We want those answers. So they conducted a bunch of really, really, really shitty research studies in order to you know, get those answers that we thought we might not have. And I think that would be... First of all, not only would it be an uproar about the people government's involvement, would go crazy. but people would then have to question, you know, the entire field of psychology. There would be yeah. a, a one too many questions, I think. So, who knows? But I want the fucking answers. I want Yale University give us the papers. Give us the papers. Somebody take take one for the team and go take them. What I don't understand also is if they were willing to release them to the two brothers well, with a thousand pages. No, 11,000 pages. Okay, but that's not all of it. Well, most of it was redacted. But if they were, uh, you know, if they said, fine, okay, whatever, we'll give it to the two brothers. They gave some of it, though. Well, what they gave, they gave everything, just a lot of it was redacted, meaning like blacked out. So I'm saying if they were saying, if they gave up their fight and said, fine, whatever, we'll give it to them, why can't they just release it to the public? Well, then my other thing is like, what was redacted? Like that too. Yeah. They, they said in the documentary that it, uh, most of it was redacted in order to like preserve the identity and like anonymity 
of the other people who were not, a part of this study. Personally, if I'm one of the brothers, I'm going to find the people if I knew their identities. Yeah, and I guess they can't have that, right? Yeah. But I don't know. It's so interesting too because also the, the argument Washington that thing like was mentioned one time for five seconds, like it was so shade. I I think though a lot of people have argued that like they don't want to uh like release the, or you know make the study public because it would have such an impact on the the people who are involved you know the people who were studied who don't know still there are more people who have found out that they were a part of this but the people who don't know would be it would be too traumatizing for them and i just think when has any institution in america cared whether about it's the government yeah cared about four individuals what we're saying, what, what, it's maximum eight people. Yeah. When have you ever seen an institution claim to care so much about the potential trauma they might cause to eight individual people? Never. Do I think they should care about that? Yes. But we've never seen care yeah. demonstrated like that before. So Absolutely. that's my big question. Um, so it's a must watch. It's a must watch. I was really on the but edge of my seat. Yale needs to give us the answers. And to be honest, I hate Yale for this. Because the guy who was like, do not release it until 1966, like it's, or I mean 2066, like it's under lock and key, he died. So they're under no obligation to like... Yeah, the the lead like scientist, psychologist, whatever, um, the study is long dead. He died in 2008. So what's the deal, yo? What's the deal? What's the deal? His research assistants are still alive and they're evil. They're really... They're giving evil. They're giving um, Kronknisma... No, they're like cronk. pull the lever, cronk. They're evil. Cusco's potion. Yeah, no, they're super evil. Uh, yeah, it, they have this guy on who was a involved when he was very young, um, and for only for a short amount of time, and I don't think he's to blame for any of this. I mean, the study already started. He showed up, and then he was not there for long. Like, I don't think you know we should be pinning blame on him, but he was a little too cavalier in those interviews. He's like giggling up a storm, and I'm like, sir, you you know that you kind of ruined lives, right? Like, yeah, you were a part of ruining you were a lives. part of ruining lives. You you didn't spearhead the movement. It, you know, you're not the one to blame, but like, you're laughing a little too much. You're gigging a little too much. A little too many gigs. Yeah. And then they show this like old woman who was like his like assistant. I, I she wasn't involved in like the research. I don't think she was just like his like executive assistant more but so. Her, her tea is like. She thinks it's okay to ruin the lives if it's going to, like, benefit the greater good with the findings. But there aren't yeah. findings, but she still thinks it well, was worth it. Well, her whole argument is, like, no one cared back then. Like, she's like, you have to understand, it was a different time. And I'm like... But the parents of the kids who adopted them at that time are appalled figuring this out. Exactly. So, no, it wasn't a different time. They would have been appalled then, too. Exactly. Like, they were appalled when they found out, like, ten years later. And, like, the kids who were involved were appalled and like the families and everyone was like, this is wrong. So I, I, I don't understand her argument that like, she's like, oh, well also, it was a different time. It was wasn't, it? it wasn't a best practice then. Like yeah. it, it was against best practices then. So what do you mean it was a different yeah. time? Like sure. Maybe now we acknowledge the collective trauma uh, and grief of these people way more. And cause it's just more spoken about, but at the same time, it's like, it wasn't a best practice to split up identical twins and triplets who are adoptees then. So, like, what do you mean it was a different time? Yeah. Like, I mean, the parents go to the agency and basically have to say, why the hell would you do this? Yeah. And the agency has to defend themselves. So, like, 
1979, it wasn't good. So I, I don't understand how, like... In 1960, it was okay. It, it was okay. Yeah, I, I don't believe that for a second. And I think she's probably had to rationalize it to herself in order to, like, feel okay, which, okay, fine, whatever, but shut up. I want a lawsuit. I want to... Or I yeah. want someone to, like, FOIA request. Is that I, possible? I know. I'm just, like, maybe I'm just a little too litigious, but I'm, like, where are the lawyers? Why aren't we getting them involved? Yeah, they couldn't get lawyers because all the... It was kind of confusing. All the lawyers were... So it was also a Jewish adoption agency, which brings in a whole other thing about anti-Semitism and, like, the Holocaust and Hitler, and it's just shitty. But it was a Jewish adoption agency, so when the families went looking for lawyers in New York, a lot of the lawyers in New York were Jewish, and or the people that worked at the law firms were Jewish, because lots of lawyers are Jewish. And so a lot of them had conflicts of interest, either knowing someone that had been adopted from this all-Jewish agency either con- having a consideration of potentially adopting in the future, going to synagogue with people that have been adopted yeah. from there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They couldn't find any lawyers to, that wanted to take it on. And they couldn't use Catholic or Christian lawyers because we know that yeah. Catholic, and Christ- Catholic and Christian lawyers are always going to side with the But my cases. bigger question is, like, by the time they were filming this, right? There and, are lawyers. And they show you the brothers, like, trying to, you know, get this information. The agency was defunct. It was no longer a running agency. It hadn't yeah. been for years. So when they're trying to, they show you, you know, one of the brothers on the phone with somebody and trying to get access and sending emails. And I was just like, well, where are the lawyers? Bobby is a lawyer. One of the brothers is a lawyer. I'm like, why aren't you taking them to court? Yeah. I just, I, I don't understand. Maybe I like. You watch, watch too much SVU. Yeah. Like I watch, or like guys, if you've never seen Spotlight, best movie ever. But like, I love those kind of movies. You watch like, suits, so you're like. Yeah, well, I love where, like, the journalists are, like, going to court to get the, the public records FOIA. or whatever. FOIA, subpoena shit. Like, I don't understand, like, in my mind... My girl's a lawyer. My girl's a lawyer. And they could have gone through the legal system and, like, this would be bish, bash, bosh, donezo. Yeah. I, I don't understand why we haven't done that. Maybe I should just hire a lawyer to do this. Lawyer up, girl. I'm lawyer. Everybody, up. lawyer up right away while no, you're listening. A class action. No, we're we're fucking fighting for them. We're fighting for them. I yeah. I just I have so many questions because the film tells you the study doesn't really come to any but groundbreaking it also says conclusions. It's completely and totally redacted. Yeah. So I I don't know. I'm just left with so many questions. Um. Same, but we don't have the answers, so we're just going to quickly recap how the live show went. If you don't know, Veronica was there because Taylor Lorenz got sick, so Veronica, she did a big cameo. She saved the day. Well, okay, let's just, like, rewind a bit. I got a call on, I think, Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. And the live show was Tuesday, and Eli called me, and um, Taylor couldn't be a part of the show anymore, and Eli was definitely, you know, understandably stressed out about the show, and asked me if I would fill in and it was one of those situations where I just had to say yes and I was scared and I was like I don't know if I really want to do this but I have to say yes so I said I said yes and I said to myself like we're gonna figure it out like it'll be fine you're saying yes you're doing it we'll figure it out later and um I didn't really figure it out um until I was on stage and it was so scary but so fun and, and Hannah and Tim hyped you up before. Hannah and Tim were so nice. And if I'm like... If you need to know anything about either of those people, just know your support is going to a good place. No, yeah. If you are a fan of either of them, like, keep it up. Congratulations. Congratulations. No, congrats. You, you, picked, you picked some winners. They are yeah. just the nicest people. And I, they're pros. And I was understandably terrified. 
And they were just so nice to me backstage and it made all the difference. But also I think it was so nice knowing that like the people who are coming to support you, I just knew I was, you know, interacting with an audience full of just really lovely people. Well, number one, they want you to win. Nobody's there. Yeah. Like I hope Veronica bombs up there. Yeah. Like everybody wanted you to succeed. And then number two, like all of you guys are so amazing that like, you were just, like, excited to support yeah. the girls. Like, the girls were in full support mode. Well, I knew the girls had my back. Yeah, the girls had your back. And, and they so, definitely did. They were so interactive. If you're listening to this now and you were there, thank you. Because you ate. it's so scary. Well, I was saying to my dad after, too, like, it's so weird because unless people laugh at every single thing you say, you're like, I failed. Yeah, you know, so you, I, I walked off stage being like, that was horrible. Wait, no way. I thought you were doing such a fine job. Well, I walked off stage feeling like, I was like, oh my God, no one has ever bombed harder than I just did. And, you know, then I interacted with the people I knew, people from your team who were there, who I had met, or fam- your family members or friends. Yeah. And so, of course, I'm like, oh, of course, all those people are telling me I did such a good job. Like, they have to say that. Yeah. But then... I bumped into a lot of the the girlies like in the bathroom and after the show had ended and everyone I interacted with was just like, you did such a good job. You were so funny. You were so amazing. And that's when I could be like, okay, that was real. I did do a good job because Tim was hyping you up. Tim was, but again, I'm like, he, what's he going to say? Oh, you sucked up there. Like (laughs) stunk it up. (laughs) Stunk it up. Like I really gotta, I really gotta raise the roof now. Like, of course he was only going to be nice. And it's, it was just hard it felt like all the people who had to say I did a good job did. So yeah. then when I was interacting with people who had absolutely no obligation to say anything nice to me, coming up to me and saying nice things really was like the best part of the night yeah. because I was like, okay, okay, I guess maybe maybe they were telling the truth. Overall, do you recommend that people come and see another leg of the tour? Oh my God. First of all, even if the show, the show was amazing. My part, obviously, was incredible. Your part's like... No, but the show in general was just amazing. Eli does this absolutely fantastic monologue at the end. I cried. Everyone cried. But even if the show was, like, garbage, I think the biggest win of the night is it It just seemed like so many people were, like... It, it just seemed like people were there to make friends. And, like, everyone was just having fun that everyone was already so happy and having so much fun that it it almost didn't even matter how the show went at that point. Yeah. Because it was like everyone already won by being there and like being in such a a good environment with so many like happy people with just like really like genuine girls. And that I think was like the biggest win of the night that like that really rarely happens when you're just in a room with so many like-minded people who are just happy to be where they are and they're happy to make new friends. Like, That is a really rare, like, community to be able to bring together. Also, if you're scared of going alone, how many people came alone? Like, I signed 400 books afterward, and so many people told me they came alone, and then they were, like, taking pics together. Like, fully, like, like, so many people were like, I was so scared. Everybody was so nice. No, everyone was so nice. Everybody made a friend, and I think everybody had a great time that I'm like... If we're coming to your city, buy a ticket. We'll see you there. See you there. We'll see you fucking there. Okay, guys, we're going to go because that was an hour unintentional. 
Unintentional. We're sleepy girls, guys. We, yeah, we've been doing a lot. Yesterday, we did nothing. But We've we, been doing a lot. Yesterday, we did actually cancel our plans because we both felt like garbage. We and both felt really sick. And hours. we just sat on the couch for hours watching this documentary. So go watch it. Let us know what you think. Or if any of you are connected and you know what happened, please tell us. No, if you have some inside scoop at Yale I don't University, give a fuck what the inside scoop is. If you know anything about this that isn't in the documentary, we will hit we our will line. Go fund me to pay for you breaking your NDA. Yeah. No, I'll I'll go fund me to pay for like a SWAT team to help you break in and get the and get what we need. Because we need the info. Wait, we why need do I th- why do I think like in my brain it's like in it's like in a big safe with like a large key that's hidden. Like I know it's like on the computer. Like I know it's like an encrypted file no, like, on the if computer. If Taylor Swift but, goes to New Haven and the mayor gives her the key to the city, that's it's the key to the box with the, key to the, the box, information with the study. that I need. Yeah. So give it to me. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Love you. See you next week. Bye.